In this week's podcast episode, we take a look at how you can resource your mud kitchen play to ensure high quality learning takes place. of Casey Consultancy, which is an international hub for supporting early years teaching, training and inspiration. With all the work I do, I'm about empowering early educators to be the very best version of themselves by creating that perfect blend of professional knowledge and development alongside valuing your well-being and self-care. So hello and welcome to this week's podcast episode where we take a look at how you can resource your mud kitchen to make sure high quality learning takes place. So this is actually a recording from my Instagram live that I did this week where we looked with the audience at how we can create that high quality learning environment outside and the benefits of playing with mud. So I hope you enjoy and as always if you have found anything really useful in this episode then please share it with a work colleague or friend and also I would love it if you could write me an honest review over on Apple Podcasts as well that way we can reach out and try and make sure that we have as many educators as possible accessing this free service. So hi, happy Tuesday and welcome to our daily dose of Hooga. Wasn't here yesterday and don't quite know what happened. <laughs> um, felt fine all morning, it got to about half past ten, went downstairs into the kitchen to make a nice cup of tea for me and my partner who were working away. Um, and then I just suddenly started feeling really strange, um, didn't really feel at my best, so I ended up spending the rest of the day in bed, which again, very much unlike me, but Maybe it was the rest I needed because today I'm feeling good and absolutely fine. So um, yeah, I'm ready and raring to go and to talk about mud kitchen play, which I'm very excited about. So thank you to all of you that sent lovely messages yesterday, just asking if I was okay or um, if you'd missed yesterday's live, which you hadn't, I've rescheduled it for today. And it's lovely as well to see lots of familiar faces here. We've got Larry, who is one of my new members I can see who has just joined. Uh, we've got Nikki here. Nikki, thank you for your lovely message yesterday. Oh, Becky, who's one of our regulars, is here. We've got EYFS Becky as well. Hi, Becky. <laughs> um, yeah, lots of lovely faces, so it's good. good that you're here. So I hope you've all had a really lovely weekend anyway. We had a nice time um, in the garden, I was in my potting shed, planting up some of my seedlings. Um, my partner, he was doing a little bit of home brewing as well, which is always good fun. And yeah, just taking it easy. We did go out for our daily walk as well over the weekend. But I don't know, maybe we just got our time a bit wrong, but it was so busy on our daily walk that it actually wasn't very enjoyable. We just ended up having to avoid people the whole time. And um, I feel like I'm going to rant now, but what is it with people that go out on a daily walk and they're just not being present? So the amount of people that we walked past that were just heads down on their phone, not even looking at the world around them, not even looking to see if anyone was coming. They were just constantly looking down at their phones. There was even one lady that was just running, um, you know, which is good, good to see, good to see people out exercising, but she just had a phone up here the whole time, just videoing herself running. <laughs> 
Um, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but yeah, I just feel like we should use that time to really try and connect and be present. Well, that's what we try and do anyway. Um, so yeah, let's, let's get stuck in. Let's talk about mud kitchen play. I feel like there are so many benefits to being outside and working in the mud. I have always had a mud kitchen, but I've not always called it a mud kitchen. For me, I like to call it a woodland kitchen because I, I like to use all of the sort of things that you might find on the woodland floor, things like your pine cones and your leaves and your sticks, as well as incorporating in there some mud as well. But I feel like if we sometimes just call it a mud kitchen, then people only have mud in it. So I like to call it a woodland kitchen and celebrate all of the lovely treasures that we can find and incorporate these into the play. Now, I know um, having worked with lots of different families over the last 15 years that many parents get a little bit anxious about playing in soil and, you know, are there lots of germs in there? Is my child going to get poorly from playing in the mud kitchen? So I just thought that I would make a link here to the fact that we have got so much research on this now that tells us that working in the soil actually helps to build up our immune system. It's actually good for us. And when children have access to the soil and to nature, they are becoming more resilient towards things like allergies and germs. So it's a really good thing, it's really positive. It's also great for our well-being as well. We know that when we're working in the mud and the soil, that our serotonin levels in the brain are increased. And I don't know if you know much about serotonin levels, but this is basically the happy chemical. It's like a natural antidepressant. So this is a really, really good thing. So this is why many people find joy in gardening because it's that connection with the soil and with the earth that's great for our brain development and it's making us feel really, really good, really positive. So we've got the links there with our health, with the fact that working in soils, reducing allergies, it's building up the immune system, it's making us feel happier. But there are also many other skills as well that we can work on and develop through our play in the mud kitchen. So things like our social development, when we're working together, we're cooperating, we're building on those language skills to create stories and do all of that lovely imaginative play. We're also building on our fine and gross motor skills. You know, we're doing lots of pouring, lots of tipping. It might be that we're using some turkey basters to try and transfer different materials between pots. It could be that we're doing lots of stirring. All that kind of thing is great for the muscle control and coordination. We also know that we are building on that awareness of the senses as well. So if we're playing lots with things like herbs and pine cones, we've got all of those different textures, we've got all of the different smells and the sight, it's just wonderful for that. And what's really, really important as well is that we are creating memories. We are doing some memory making through our play, which is just so important, isn't it? Some of my fondest memories from when I was a child were sitting in the garden and having a jam jar and collecting some rose petals and mixing it into my water and making some perfume. 
like thinking back now, I feel really nostalgic when I think about this, but I think, gosh, I had such a happy childhood. Simple little moments like this made me really, really happy. And that's what we want for our young children. And I think the great thing about mud play or woodland kitchen play is that it doesn't have to cost lots of money. Anybody can do it. We can do it on different scales, whether it's that we've got a tiny garden and we've got a few pots and pans and a little bit of soil and some uh, natural materials that the children can work with or we can take it to a larger scale where we might have a really big setup and um, so for instance when I worked in North Yorkshire at my first teaching position we had a really big outdoor area and one of my parents was actually a kitchen fitter so when he'd ripped an old kitchen out of a house he said would you like it would you like to use it in your outdoor area which was amazing it was really incredible so we had this full-sized kitchen in our outdoor area and it had a sink and worktops, it was amazing. And that was really well used. But then when I moved to work in Harrogate, we didn't have anything like this. We literally just had a few upturned apple crates and some pots and pans. Um, and that was what we had for our shelving and that was the base that we worked with but the play was still amazing and the levels of engagement were still incredible so it doesn't matter what you've got you might literally just have a little camping pot that you might cook with and you might have a few sticks and do some play around campfire cooking and I think it's always important as well to link it to what your children's experiences are. So, um, you know, if you're maybe an inner city school, like when I worked in Bradford, setting up a camping area for our outdoor mud play wouldn't have worked because many of the children, unfortunately, wouldn't have had the experience of going out into the countryside and cooking on a campfire. So they wouldn't have been able to relate that to their play. Um, but what they could relate to was cooking in the kitchen, having the, the wok and cooking stir fries and things like that. So that was what we needed to provide for those children. So go back to your children, always think about what it is they need. And yeah, be inventive with the way you set up your woodland kitchen play. I like to think as well about how it might have some links as well to water so that we can bring in some science there and we can think about how we can change the consistency of the materials we're using like our soil. Um, so this water could be added through a hose pipe if you're really brave <laughs> um, or you might have a jerry can which um, can be filled with water and it can be used in the area so that you've got some elements of control there with how much water the children have access to each session and the fact that the children have that independence in selecting when they use the water as well. Um, also, I like to think about the supply of mud. Um, so I've in the past had some big trucks filled with soil that children can use. I've also had raised beds that have just been constructed for children to use in their woodland kitchen play. So it's not been a raised bed that we've grown things in like our plants or our vegetables. It's just had a sole purpose of being used for woodland play. Um, and that's worked really, really well. Cause sometimes I think as educators, we worry a little bit. So um, 
we might be growing something, I don't know, like our peas outside, and then we suddenly see children taking the soil or taking the things that we need for growing and putting them into the kitchen play. So to avoid that, try and have a distinct um, either container or raised bed with the soil in that the children can use. I then, I meant to actually bring it to my live and I'm really sorry I forgot, but um, I like to have clear containers um, filled with things that we have collected, our natural treasures, so our pine cones, our sticks, our stones, acorns, leaves, blossom, etc. Um, on the shelves in the woodland kitchen so that children can start to use these in their play. That works really, really well so they can see what they've got. It's great for maths as well. If you've done any of my maths training, you'll know that I talk a lot about having collections of objects. So um, yeah, that's a nice way of displaying them and making sure children have easy access to it as well. Oh, Nikki, I'm just reading your comments and I can see that you've created a digging area on the grass next to your area, which is great. Um, surrounded it with tree stumps. Oh, I like that. I like that then the children can use that as a base to work on. Other tree stumps could even become little tables and chairs for the children to sit at if their play turns into a woodland cafe, for instance. That's that's really lovely to hear. Um, yeah, you might as well decide that if you've had the grass cut, um, that you use your, your grass cuttings in the woodland kitchen as well. So you might have a big trug where you can put all your dried grass in there. So yeah, I like having collections of objects. I think that leads to lots of different opportunities then to bring in maps. So let's talk about um, other resources that we might have in there. As we're really trying to create that rich sensory experience, um, we want to be thinking about not just using plastic resources, but having things like copper in there, maybe some tin teapots, and maybe having some different herbs. So you might have some herbs that are only used in your woodland kitchen area for the children to work with. Um, having things like serving dishes, cups, different utensils. So again, if you've done my maths training, I talk a lot about having a spoon collection. And I love spoons because they're really easy to collect. You can find them all over the place and they come in lots of different sizes and shapes. We've got wooden spoons, we've got teaspoons, serving spoons. We might have plastic ladles, we might have slotted spoons. Um, but these are great and we can have a variety of these in our woodland kitchen area. So what else do I like to have? Well, we can bring in other opportunities for maths as well by having our bun trays in there, having bun trays of different amounts as well, which is great if you've got one that maybe holds six buns and then one that holds 12. You can talk about doubling for your children that need that extra level of challenge or your key stage one children. Um, you might have your measuring jugs in there as well so that you can compare your different amounts. Um, I used to like having a timer as well in there. This could be a sand timer. It could be um, one of those little timers that you can twist and set to a time and it just ticks. Um, you might have a stopwatch, but it's nice just to try and bring in that element of time. And if children are cooking things, how long is it going to take? Uh, you might have a clock in there. When I was working in Bradford, we found a really unusual um, outdoor clock that we hung up in our woodland kitchen space, and that worked really, really well. Um, 
And then if we're thinking about trying to bring in a little bit of that literacy as well for our older children, it might be that you have things like your woodland recipe books. Um, I've created these myself um, before in the past where I've just typed up a few really simple recipes. I don't know, I can't even remember what they were now. I think one was to pretend to make a cake and the children needed to go and collect six sticks and they had to mix it up and the way that I typed up the recipe was really phonetical so the children could read it um, so that worked really well with my reception children and then through the careful and sensitive adult interaction we did lots of talk about how the children might want to record their own recipes so that other people could make them so then we made our own class recipe book for the woodland kitchen and we um, put all the recipes in a folder so it could keep adding to it and that was available as part of that rich continuous provision outside every single day as well. Um, so yeah, there are a few ideas of resources that you might like to have. And then lastly, I thought I'd just talk about how we can make sure children are dressed appropriately for outdoor play. Now you might not agree with this, that's okay if you don't, you know your children really well. But for me, when I was working in Bradford, we had um, an outdoor area which was so rich in opportunities and learning. But as part of our continuous provision, we had very messy things outside. So we'd have the clay outside all year round so that children could investigate how it changed with the different weather, etc. We had our woodland kitchen, which could get very, very messy. We had painting outside. We had um, puddle mixing when it rained. We had all kinds of things that could potentially get very, very messy. So one of our rules that we had for our young children, and these were nursery children from the age of three upwards, was that children had to wear waterproof clothing if they were going to go outside. And this way, we knew that we were helping to protect their uniform, we were keeping it nice and clean, which was um, often a concern of our parents. And we just meant sure that we were stopping children from getting cold and getting fed up. We were helping to prepare them for the environment they were working in. So we had different types of outdoor clothing that we provided for the children. We used a proportion of our budget each year to just keep investing in it. So there was things in there like thick woolly socks, ski socks even, waterproof gloves, waterproof jackets. Um, we had um, like the salopettes that you might wear if you're skiing. And then for the summer, we had the waterproof over trousers, which were a lot thinner and the waterproof coats. Um, we had sun hats. We had waterproof umbrellas, all, kind of thing, all kinds of things like that. And what we would do each day is that we would check the weather with the children. So as part of our morning family meeting with the children, we would get the weather up on our big interactive smart board behind us. And we'd talk to the children about what the weather showed us. So was it going to be a sunny day? Was it going to be a rainy day? And then we would have discussions with the children about what we needed to wear so that we were prepared to be outside. Um, and this was really good for helping the children to be independent and also so the children didn't feel like we as adults were just dictating to them what they needed to do. They had that reasoning and that understanding behind it. Um, which then help them make their own decisions. So sometimes, you know, it could be quite cold outside, it could be raining, but we might have a child that had made a decision to wear a really thin waterproof coat or not to put a woolly hat on. 
And then they'd go outside and then they would start to tell us, oh, I'm feeling quite chilly. So then we could say to them, well, do you remember we checked the weather this morning and actually it was going to be really, really cold today? What could you have done differently? What could you have worn to make sure you didn't get cold? What will you do tomorrow if the weather's the same? So we're really helping children become part of that decision-making process. And also we're helping the children to learn from their experiences as well. And we're not saying that children have made mistakes. We've, we've used it as a, a learning process. So that was the approach that we always took. And yes, at the beginning of the year, it was pretty tough to start with. We had to spend lots of time showing children how to put the over trousers on or how to zip up coats. But we were giving them skills and that was really, really important to spend that time doing that. So yeah, we had clothing that children could access so that they could be outside in all weathers, getting messy and then they could come inside and they would still be clean and warm and continue their play. Now, as part of this, we also made sure we had a drying rack inside. Um, we didn't have a washing machine, but it would have been really wonderful to have had one of those as well. Um, so yeah, we had our drying rack, um, clothes or whatever you want to call it. And we also invested in some boot warmers as well, so we could put them in the welly boots. So in the middle of winter, the wellies would soon dry out and they were nice and warm, ready for that next person to wear them. So that's a little bit about how we organised our mud kitchen play. And I always find, I'm obviously not advertising this company, I'm not paid to advertise them at all or anything like that, but Mountain Warehouse are always very good at providing um, outdoor clothing uh, for young children. It's very reasonably priced. They often have sales on, so we ended up getting quite a lot of our stuff from there. Um, obviously ask for donations as well from families if you can. Um, Muddy Faces, they're another great company that you can use if you look out for things in the sale. Um, but yeah, it takes time, doesn't it, to build up that collection of clothing and of resources. But yeah, be, be, um, be, I don't know. Just, yeah, you can, you can do it. It takes time, but you can do it. Um, and then at the end of our session, we would have um, the responsibility back on the children to get the area cleaned and tidy and ready for the next day or the next week. So we'd have some bowls of soapy water so the children could be washing down the pots and pans that they used and tipping things out so that they were learning to take that responsibility. So yeah, that's how we organised it um, and I hope it helps. And if you've got any wonderful resources or ideas or good ways of setting up some mud kitchen play, do share them with me. Tag them in um, your stories or in your social media posts. You can just use my hashtag who got in the early years to do that. And I'd love to see. Um, my lovely, lovely member, well, members actually, they're a mother and daughter team, uh, Sarah and Carly Baker. If you follow them over on Facebook, they have recently posted a video of how they've spent the weekend um, resetting up their woodland kitchen and it's very inspiring. There's lots of lovely ideas there for you to uh, 
yeah, to be inspired by and borrow in your practice. So I will, um, I'll give you the link to that if you would like to see it. Just send me a direct message and I'll send that across to you. Um, oh, Becky, I love that you call it a nature kitchen outside as well and that yours is currently work in progress at the moment. I would love to see a photograph of it. Maybe you could do a now and uh, after picture. That might be quite nice for us to see and we'll post it into the stories. Um, Oh, lessons in love and learning. I'm so glad that you've got some ideas from this session and you're writing them all down. That's nice to know.